Hey, what's up, everybody? Mike Brancatelli here. Welcome back to a new episode of Mike Delic. Coming to you from Denver, Colorado. My new home. Very excited to be here. Uh, just moved here a couple days ago, about a week ago. And um, <clears throat> been trying to get a, a new podcast episode out, uh, but things have been really hectic. I, you know, as you guys know, I was in Peru for a while, and then I came back to New York, and then from New York, I went to Boston, and I was in Boston, and now I'm in Denver, and my girlfriend and I just moved here, and, uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff to do, a lot of uh, things to do, uh, and I'm not a kind of person that really enjoys doing things, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why I, I've been a little, um, I haven't released an episode in a while, but I did record an episode that I published just for my Patreon people, the producers of Mikeadelic, if you will, the people that help keep this show going. Um, I gave it over to them because I felt like, you know, it, it was um it, it it was a it was a podcast about a lot of the things that I was uh, reading and learning at the time and some stuff that I was really interested in and, and thinking about and I really just went off. And as you know, sometimes I can do these solo shows and they can be quite long. Well, this one's about two and a half hours long. And, you know, I, I just didn't necessarily feel like releasing it to, to the public. So I, I let my producers look at it, my Patreon people, they have access to it. And uh, they're going to let me know what they think. Um, but basically... Uh, the episode is about trying to sort of, I, I talked about a lot of topics. Uh, I talked about, you know, I was, I was reading this book, Iron John by Robert Bly, which was really good. So I'm talking about mythology and, and men from going from boys to men, the rites of passage and initiation, the pressures to conform to the society that has been created before us and that we're born into this new kind of pressure of this this hustle and grind mentality uh, that's out there. You know, you got to get up, you got to wake up, you got to do this, 10 things to do, hustle, keep hustling, you know, grind it out. Uh, yeah, everybody's got to be this kind of perfect specimen. You know, we have to be this perfect thing. Um, you know, there's this great article called uh, Improving Ourselves to Death that was written last year that I really liked. and. Um, you know, I was looking at some of J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, philosophy, the author of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and how he feels that time is cyclical and the linear notion of, of progress and civilization is is really just a lie, that really things get, get worse and worse and we repeat history over and over again. And, you know, it was really fascinating. I, I, I dove into pessimism. I was looking at Arthur Schopenhauer and, um, you know, some other existentialist philosophers, uh, Camus, uh, some other people. And really, I also uh, got a lot of great insight into rewatching True Detective season one. If you haven't seen that, it's phenomenal. Matthew McConaughey is probably best performance ever. Great show. Um, and I also got into this notion of like, 
people trying to improve things, you know, not just improve ourselves, but improve culture, improve society, improve civilization, improve the human species, our lot in life, our predicament, and rebelling against oppression and tyranny and how this rebellion can get co-opted and commodified and packaged up and sold to us to keep us within the bounds of rebellion, you know, allowable rebellion, allowable resistance. Uh, A lot of inspiration from Alan Watts, his ideas of ego traps and, and, you know, why do we want to be better? You know, what are we aiming for? Cho Young Trumpa's great book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, and how even spirituality, even the, the, the seeking of spiritual wisdom can be materialism, can be, you know, these ornaments that we hang on our shelves and become egoic and become things to attain, to show off to. And just everything under the sun. I mean, I really went on a a rambling, tangential rant for two and a half hours about all these big ideas that are way over my head that I'm not qualified to talk about, but still do anyway, because I find them to be really entertaining and and thought-provoking. But with that being said, I am going to release this episode, at least a portion of it. Um, And really, you know, what that is, is just because I don't necessarily feel confident in releasing this two and a half hour episode to everybody. But you know what, if you want to listen to the whole episode, you can sign up on Patreon and you could donate as little as $1 a month, $2 a month, $3 a month, $4 a month, $5 a month, whatever you want. And you know, that, that money really helps, uh, keep, keep this show going. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out some more ways. I, I've I've struggled for a long time uh, with this show, and you know, struggled long, a long time with like the idea of like marketing this show, the idea of of selling this show, and it's it's not something that I want to want to do uh, at all. I I don't believe that I'm on this earth to sell anything to anybody. I don't think I'm. I don't think this this show and what I do is is something to be sold or to be you know marketed. You know, at the end of the day, the way I think about this show is if I was just kind of sitting around with you guys and we were chatting, except I'm the only one that's talking. <laughs> but maybe I'll bring that to to life, you know, maybe I'll I'll start doing some live things. If you're in Denver, Colorado or Colorado, you know, hit me up. I'd love to to meet up and and maybe you know discuss some ideas about that. Uh, you know, doing some live stuff because re- really, the only thing that I'm really interested in is 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 sharing. And you know, I don't really know what I think sometimes until I talk. And I and I love getting into conversations with other people. And I love also just like talking ideas out in my that are going on in my head and and, and sharing stuff. So. To me, I've always felt very weird about like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, post on social media about this and I'm going to market this and I'm going to, you know, it it just doesn't feel that way. I mean, in my mind, like, I just want to be, I want to be a, like a guy that's like a part of a tribe that like sits next to a campfire and just tells stories or like shares ideas, you know, and like I, I don't, I don't want to like charge admission for that or anything like that. 
However, the unfortunate thing is we do live in this world where, you know, it fucking costs money to do shit. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out like a nice way or a balanced way to just say like, hey, if you like the show, share it, you know, post it on social media, like help me spread it without me making this like marketing push, you know, and I just feel weird doing it myself. Like it's, it's weird when I put these solo episodes out where, you know, like, Hey, I said something really cool in this episode. Check it out. It's easier to like promote it when there's a guest on the show and it's like, Hey, cool. This guest's like had some cool things to to share, you know, see what they have to say. But when it's myself, I don't feel, I don't feel like I, I don't know. I don't want to say I don't deserve it. I just, I feel awkward about saying like, Oh, look at me. I say, I say nice. I say interesting things. You, you, You need to hear, you need to hear this. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I need to like get over that or something. I I always I just always feel like I'm not qualified or or whatever. You know, like I just you know. Anyway, if you like the show, you know the best thing you could do. I mean, we have 135 star reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is fucking awesome. So thank you for for doing that. You know, I mean, you know what to do. I mean, if you like something, you don't need someone to tell you what to do about it. If you like it, you can. You do whatever you want with it, you know. If something really gets you, you want to share it. So if you want to share it, share it. If you want to donate to it, donate to it, whatever. Um, yeah, and it's patreon.com slash Mike Brank, uh, B-R-A-N-C. So I'm going to post half the episode here, half the, uh, the full episode on Patreon. And um, yeah, and then let me know what you guys think. I mean, this is, this is a collaborative project as well. You know, I, 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 I always hear a lot of like positive feedback and like, I would love to hear some criticism. <laughs> like if you want to send me some messages and be like, Hey Mike, like, uh, you know, critique, you know, try and like critique me or, or give me a little nudge in in a direction that maybe you want to see the show go into. Um, because I love, I love hearing from you guys. Like that's my favorite thing about the show is that people reach out to me and we communicate and uh and that informs my decisions that informed my decisions to to be confident in doing the solo episodes when i was first doing those solo episodes i was really just doing them out of pure therapy i just needed to vent i was going through some shit and i needed to vent and i didn't i couldn't afford therapy at the time so i just turned on the microphone and you guys seemed like you really enjoyed them and so i kept doing them um but but yeah feedback is good you know so Go to my website, mikebrank.com, um, and send me an email. You know, some people sent me emails recently. I got I got back to everyone. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast on Instagram, Mike Brank on Instagram and Facebook, Mike Brankatelli. Um and yeah, and Patreon. If you're on Patreon, you, you get you're in the WhatsApp chat group, so you can just message me in the chat group and it's it's go it's always going on it's a cool little community there so yeah so i'm going to post i'm going to post half the episode here and then and then the full episode will be on patreon and if you want to continue on to that you can get access to that um a little tired this morning as you could probably tell my energy levels aren't quite up to speed just yet having some coffee here but um but yeah that's that's pretty much it um I guess I'll say that uh, I also think that I'm going to need a little bit more time to sort of get situated since I just moved to a new city. So 
there hasn't been an episode out in uh, I think like three weeks. So realistically, I'm terrible with this kind of stuff. My girlfriend yells at me all the time, like, oh, "Okay, dinner's ready." All right, yeah, I'll be there in five minutes, and then I'm not there for twenty. I my sense of time is just off. So, um, I'd like to say, like, I'd like to sort of like take a step back, reorganize, you know, get my life set up here, and then I can start really making a full push to release awesome quality content that you that you're not going to hear anywhere else. I mean, that's really, you know, I started podcasting in February of 2014 with Dave Smith over at Part of the Problem, learned a hell of a lot, enjoyed it, and, um, you know, created my own show. But I always, I always liked the, the Joe Rogan, the early Joe Rogan episodes where it was just like him and his friends talking about just all kinds of different things. And it was really raw and it was really loose and now I see so many podcasts coming out and they're like really polished and really sleek and they're produced by big companies and big corporations and it's like kind of drowning out the little guys a little bit in the Apple podcast space and wherever podcasts are, kind of drowning other people out a little bit. And, you know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff out there too, but I always wanted to keep this, this podcast, it's not scripted, it's not planned. It's not edited. It's full of mistakes. It's full of errors. It's full of ums and ahs and likes and uhs. And um, I just want to keep it that way because where else, where else are you going to hear that? You know, I always imagine that I wanted to keep it just as if like I was at a bar with friends or I just met somebody and they were like, what do you do? And then we just started talking about it. Or, you know, I had some ideas and I was just sharing it. Not planned, not scripted, not rehearsed, just life. Um, and so that's the way that I want to keep it. And that's what I think I, en I enjoy the most. And I think that's what you guys enjoy too. Uh, at least that's what I hear. So I forgot what I was talking about. I need some more coffee. <laughs> But this is what I'm saying. I'm not going to edit this this out, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, all right, yeah. So I'm gonna record. I'm gonna release that podcast. That'll be coming up. I also, I think I'm gonna start telling some like some trip stories on the show because I think that's that's kind of cool. Like I was I was telling some last night. I was uh, I was hanging out with some people and I was telling some stories last night about like taking some psychedelics and some some interesting stuff that's happening and you know I have a lot of them I have a lot of them um, so I came across I remember what I took notes I came across this uh, this note um, and this note is uh, is called LSD at the waterfall so I was in Thailand. And I was backpacking through Thailand. This was a couple, few years ago. I decided to buy a one-way ticket to Bangkok. I had like 10 grand and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to just, just going to travel until the money runs out. And that was my plan. You know, I was, I was doing stand-up comedy in New York. I was walking dogs during the day in Madison Square Park. I was doing the Part of the Problem podcast with my friend Dave. 
And I just had this like unshakable numbness and depression. And it was weird because I was like doing pretty well in comedy. I was working club spots. Like I had good friends. Like I was, my jokes were working on stage. Like people were laughing. It was good. You know, I think I've told this on the show a couple of times. I remember this guy, actually his, his name's Harrison Greenbaum. And we were sitting down and, uh, and he was, and I just told him some, I, I forgot what I said. And he was like, well, yeah, he's like, you know, the only time we ever feel good is when we're on stage. That's why we do what we do because we have to do it. Otherwise, you know, and I was just like, holy shit, man. Like, I don't like, it just really hit me. Like, I don't want to just only feel, and that that's what it felt like. But like my set was like pretty, I was doing the same set for a little while. So I kind of was like getting tired of my jokes. They were still working, but you know, I had this like numbness. Like I remember leaving the stage and to like a crowd of like 50 people laughing. And I was just like, Hey, that's great. You know, but like, I didn't feel anything from it. And, uh, these guys that I was working the club with, like, they were like, what are you on drugs or something? And like, at the time I thought it was just easier maybe to just be like, yeah, I'm on drugs rather than being like, no, I'm like suffering from like a, I'm in like an existential crisis where I'm suffering from a deep, dark, depression and then I I can't see the the light of day. Um but anyway, I was I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts at the time and reading uh one of my favorite authors, Christopher Ryan and uh and he was telling these traveling stories and I thought, "Man, you know what? I'm still young. Like I've never really backpacked before. I've never traveled before. Fuck it. I bought a one-way ticket to Bangkok, Thailand. Landed there had no plan, just stayed in a hostel, met some people, just really just had such an awesome time meeting people from all around the world, going to the little stands and getting some, like for a dollar, you get like pad thai and eating stuff. And then I took this overnight sleeper train up to Chiang Mai in the north. And it was just beautiful. I remember I had a little bunk. It was like two two areas of, for, for people to like sit and sleep. And I was on the top and I like climbed up to my little top area and slid the, the little sliding door closed and took a little rest on the train. And when I woke up, it was, uh, it was like maybe like 6 AM or whatever. The sun was coming up and it, I went, looked out the window and we were, the train was just moving by the, these rice paddies. And it was just these, these beautiful green rice paddies and as far as the eye could see and in the distance there was just this big red sun rising oh man it was just like the biggest red sun and it was glowing it was making the whole sky like gleam with a streak of of reddish orange as it came up over the rice paddy fields and like i opened the window and it it had this just distinct smell it smelled like you know it smelled like thailand man it smelled like it smelled like something just great like fresh sweet air and i got to chiang mai love chiang mai spent some great time in chiang mai and um well i wound up meeting some people who were able to uh procure some acid some lsd which was great and uh so I, I, I was like, well, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. So I had a uh, motor scooter 
And I, I remember there was a park that was really nice. It was this beautiful park in Chiang Mai. And they had a lake in the middle and all these little huts around. And you could sit at the hut and you could order, you know, some drinks or some food, some snacks. They bring it over to you as you're lying in the hut. And um, I thought this would be a nice day to just go and take, take a couple tabs. Now, I remember the guy that got it for me. He was this British guy, and, and he, he told me, he's like, he's like, be careful, mate. They're really strong, mate. They're really, really strong. 300, 300 mics, you know, or something like that. So it's, you know, I think that was the standard dose in the 60s was 300. But I guess nowadays it's more like 150 or something. So I had, I think, like... um like six of these things. And, uh, you know, he was telling me that they're really strong or whatever. I remembered that and I was there. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll pop one, you know? And I was sitting there at the lake. I had my motor scooter parked in the parking lot and, uh, behind me and, um, sitting in this little hut and I had a little journal out and I was just watching the, water move and Thai kids run around and play and their parents watching and you know some couples sitting in the little huts next to me and other people and um yeah and I just sat there and and I was really kind of just relaxing about an hour hour and a half went by and I'm like you know I'm uh not feeling anything classic psychedelic mistake classic weed edible mistake everybody has a story where they just didn't feel it so they took more right well this is one of those stories so so i was like you know i i mean i've taken 300 before maybe i could you know maybe this is just such a nice day i'm i'm feeling like i'm in a good state of mind it's peaceful i'm in a good setting I'm at this park, it's, you know, super friendly and a lush green jungle environment and a lake. Let me just take another one, you know, fuck it, I'm on vacation, I'm in Thailand, like, when am I going to do this again? So, I took another one, and uh, pretty much, like, right after that, I started to feel a little, little tingly, I started to feel a little warm glow spreading, and I was like, ooh, ooh, nice. So I, I kind of felt like uh, exploring. So I decided to get up and uh, was walking around. I saw a couple people walk out of um, this little path that was leading into the thick, dense jungle area. And uh, I'm pr- I think they might have been English speaking because I, I had asked them, like, oh, is, what, where does this trail go? They said it goes to the waterfall. It's beautiful. So I was like, wow, this is great. The universe is connecting here. Like, it's, this is my mission now. I got to go here. So I, I had a backpack, a water bottle. I think I had maybe some snacks or some fruit or something. And I decided to hike this path up this mountain to the waterfall. Well, shortly into the hike, I started experiencing the full effects and man, it was overwhelming, but in a good way. I mean, my whole body was just filled with euphoria. I was just 
I had this information download just hitting me at one, like everything had just opened up. The, the curtain had been pulled back. The veil had been lifted. The sky was brighter than it's ever been before. The bugs were as alive as they've ever been. The, the trees and the plants, everything was like emitting this life force out of it. I was seeing this like energy field of life force that was manifesting in some kind of language that like I could only understand by having it directly transmitted into my brain and everything was just glowing and bright and beautiful and alive and 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 really alive and and euphoric and I felt it and I knew it and oh it was just it was just magical. It was it was pure magic. And, um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I wound up, uh, going on this hike by myself in the jungles of Northern Thailand. And I wrote some stuff. I think maybe during, during the, the trip and then after. And I'm not sure exactly in what order it was, but I have the notes here. And so I'm just going just gonna to read them for you. It starts off with thoughts on existence. <laughs> I will and will not. I will do as I wish. I will think what I think. I will choose to participate in what I choose to participate in. Thus reaping the rewards or suffering the consequences, but resting on my own merits. No one will impose his or her will over me. I will not be coerced into living in, ideo- in ideology, culture, religion, society. I will not be sub- uh, subjugated, oppressed, subdued, persuaded, or calmed down. I will not conform to the populace. I will trust my inner guiding voice. I will always listen to my inner judge. I will trust my gut and follow my instincts, always. I will be in, uh, tune, with, I will be in tune with my feeling. I will know myself. I will not make an attempt to claim I know anyone else or therein purport to know and prescribe anything to anyone if not asked for voluntarily. I will act as a voluntary member of the human species. I am a human being. I do not know how. I do not know why. Everything that follows this is purely based on reading the works of the great minds that came before me and then lining them up to see if they hold true to my own feelings, emotions, and beliefs. As a human, I feel it is my duty to take what I know and share it with my surroundings. As a human, you're in the hands of nature. To be in the hands of nature is to give up playing God and give in to just being. I didn't expect the journey. This is where I guess I'm talking more about my journey. I didn't expect the journey uphill to be so long and far. But it keeps going, so I keep going, just following it to see the end, the view of the waterfall, and then just turn around. But right now, I'm short of breath and tired, and I'm thinking, why go on? Why continue? The feeling of the LSD is extremely overwhelming, but I'm in total bliss. Everything makes sense, and I know, and I know it. So why go on? because it's the only thing to do. I've come this far now, so I need to see for my own eyes, not my mind's eye, not the imagination of the future of the thing that I think it may be, but to instead go forth on the journey one step at a time. 
only seeing the few feet in front of me that I have faith. Oh, I'm sorry. Only seeing the few. Only seeing the few feet in front of me. I have faith, not that I will just make it, but faith that I will not be disappointed by the ending. Like every good story and every good movie, we lose track of time because we're so engrossed in it. We should live our lives that way to make us go, wow, I want more of that. And at the dinner party in heaven, in paradise, or wherever it is, we talk about, oh man, you had to see this one. That life was a good one. I want to do that again. I want to see that again. It was that good. To be a loser is not to give up, but to give in. By giving in, I mean you give in to your imagined outcome. You think too much about the pros and cons and imagine what it would be like, but you can't possibly know what it will be like because you're not actually experiencing it. You don't know, but you imagine to know. And by doing so, you limit yourself from pain, fear, and ridicule, and therefore limit yourself from life. To you, to judge the book by its cover and never pick it up to read it. Instead, you say, well, it's a long book, and I don't have the time to read all those pages. I bet I won't enjoy it anyway. So instead of taking the chance and going on the journey, you retreat even before it begins. We do it because it's a thing to do. If we didn't have things to do, we would go mad. We would go mad until we made up something. Life is a thing to do. Finally, you get to a point where you say, I see. I see the hill up there. I see where the water comes from. I see how it comes down and where it goes. I'm in the middle here, and I can see and feel all this beauty and understanding around me. And I don't need to push any further. I don't need to prod anymore. I'm content for now. The fear I have is for someone to say to me, or people to say, wow, man, look at this guy. He's fucking weird. He's out there. He's a Looney Tune. He's on a crazy journey. He's on a dangerous path. The danger is the fear of being perceived as mad. Once you are the cast out of polite society and deemed a wacky person, oh no. No. What does that mean? Does that mean a person who just doesn't conform to the mainstream? It sounds like the irrational fear one would have of speaking out against some ancient god and fear that he will strike us all down or flood the village in some mythical, biblical, irrational thing. No, it's just to be a person with an opinion and an idea and a way of being, maybe how things should be or ought to be, in peace, in a humble ego. As I continue on, the thoughts keep coming into my mind. I'm enjoying the surroundings. I'm enjoying the bright, vibrant plants and the animal life around me. I can hear the insects singing a symphony just for me. I must go on. I can't help but think of all the kinds of other thoughts that are coming to me. Insights, if you will, or realizations. My parents. Who am I? I must do what my parents cannot do. I must communicate what they cannot communicate. I must conquer the fears they couldn't. I must do this in order to carry the torch. After all, I am just but a continuation of them, as we are all just but a continuation of humanity. And that seems to be some kind of reason for being in and of itself. To continue. Why? 
Well, it seems as if James P. Cars says, the author of Finite and Infinite Games, we are in this game to play the infinite one, to keep the game going, to keep the volleyball in the air, to keep the beach ball in the air, to keep the game in the air, always being passed, passing it on, and keeping it going. Not for some old, stupid, selfish reason. I used to think, I used to think it was to make my parents proud. But to truly give them pride cannot be gotten by themselves. It is my duty to carry on in their likeness, to excel where they have cowered or fallen. It is my job to see where they have flaws and weaknesses to see. What they fear and they struggle with, the things they do not express, but I sense. It is my duty to fight for them. My parents, my givers of life, my love of everything. To be in the world, to, to be doing it, seeking adventure, don't know what comes around the next turn, and can never will, only imagined in the mind, but don't let the imagination make you cower. I want to see every place that exists in the world with my own two eyes. And then I want to see every place that exists in the world again, but through the eyes of everything that exists in the world. I believe that is maybe why we are here, for consciousness to subjectively experience itself and understand itself. For us, human beings, to be encased like sausages in a form, a form that gives us experience, a form that gives us all kinds of experience, from bliss to agony, but that is what it is about. It is about the infinite unform, taking form, and having an experience, whatever that may be. All the hard paths that you encounter on the way up, you remember, and they're no problem for you on the way back down. You must help others. You see, walking up to the waterfall and then coming back down, I'm, I know the way now. When someone asks me, I can help them. You must help others. You, see, you must help others you see going your way. I must bring back the knowledge I was given. My parents were kids that had kids, and they still are kids. Mentally trapped, bound by my experience and culture and all the illusions that, that, have, that have them to sleep at night and keep them, wake, uh, to keep them up at night looking around. I don't know what that is, sorry. And it's a circle of, it's a, a circle of illusion and boundaries that can be shattered by the, the tiniest, tensest drop of LSD. <laughs> Who cares if it's real or if it's all in your head or, or whatever? It's the results that matter. It's the effects that matter. All you have to do is find out. Just shut up and do it. They didn't take Christopher Columbus's word for it. Oh, yeah, I saw a new world. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, this guy's nuts. No, they set sail, goddammit. They found out for themselves. So I invite you all to set sail, explore, dare to venture into the unknown and see as clear as your own two eyes can show you. My whole life, I've felt like I've been owed an explanation to something, like I better be given something. As cliched as it sounds, but true, I look at the wound and I look at the world in the way of now, what can the world do for me? But I should have been looking at it and saying, what can I do for the world? All these bugs want to know, and I'm talking about the bugs along my path. As you could tell, my thoughts are a little scattered here. All these bugs want to know. What's the big stinking lumbering thing that's walking by us? What is this big stinking hairy meat flesh walking by? <laughs> T 
To be egoless is to be naked. To be naked is to have nothing. To have nothing is to feel like we are nothing. Only, only once we can feel that we begin, only once when we can feel that we can begin to understand anything. Knowing that you'll never understand is really true understanding. And that's not a line by me. <laughs> I made it up to the waterfall and it was beautiful. As I went down, other people were coming up. They asked me which way to go. Was it hard? Is it worth it? And I said, yes, go this way and keep going. Once you get there, it's amazing. As I raced, as I, as I walked down back to the edge of the path where I first started, I realized that the sun was setting. I said, oh no, I think the park closes at dusk. I remembered, well, I'm going to have to get out of here. All I had was my motor scooter, and I was still extremely high on LSD. As I raced out of the jungle on my scooter, the sun going down, tucked under the mountains, I began to crack an ecstatic smile. You're doing it. You're out here. These are the new adventures of your life. I'm living the life, and I'm having the experiences, and I'm riding this scooter at sunset while I'm tripping on LSD in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I don't know where, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know where I've been, but this adventure makes me feel alive. In this moment, in this now, I seem to understand why I'm here. All right, well, I remember that very well. And, uh, I apologize for the reading. Um, I did write that either, yeah, I did write that either right after or during it. I think, I think as I was going up, I had my phone on me and I was taking notes, all these ideas that were coming in my head, as you, as you could see, there was, you know, I started talking about my parents, I was talking about, you know, consciousness, bugs, you know, whatever, but it was just these ideas that were coming into my head as I was um, on this journey tripping and hiking in, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So that's the story. And, um, man, it was a great experience. I rode that motor scooter out of, uh, out of that park, and I was, uh, man, I was feeling like, like Bliss had a child with ecstasy and light. And I was just like full of just all the feelings, all the feelings, just every sensory input area of my body was just feeling euphoria and ecstatic bliss and awe. And I marveled at the sky as the sun was going down and I marveled at the people around me and I got on my motor scooter and it was a rush hour traffic in Chiang Mai as I came out and I rode that motor scooter high on LSD all the way back to the city center. Somehow I got there. Somehow I weaved in and out of the traffic. Somehow, somehow I made it. I think my vision was super clear. I I felt really in tune. I remember driving that scooter into the highway and and feeling like, all right, like as soon as I entered there, I felt like an ant in like a in 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 the marching line and I had to I had to follow my rules I had to turn my blinkers on I had to extend my arm out I had you know I just 
I just felt really in tune. Like I was super in tuned and I felt like there was this string, this like energetic string that was coming from my heart through my throat up through my brain. And it was like, it was in the sky. It was like going right to the sky, like into the stars in the sky. And like, I was like, I was being guided. It was like, like a violin string or an energy string coming out of me. And it was guiding me along this path. And I remember seeing myself like from above, like as I was riding on my motor scooter. And, um, and I, and it was like a video, it was like a, like a 2d, like, like the game Frogger or something. And like, I was seeing myself like moving, weaving in and out of the traffic and like perfectly merging and, and, and doing everything just in like perfect harmony with everyone around me. And I remember everybody kind of looking at, like, I felt like, you know, I felt like a, a, a like an, I was in an Alex Gray painting and there were all these eyes like around me. And there were, because it was rush hour traffic and there were tremendous amounts of people on the road. But I made it back to the city and, you know, sometimes after a, a long trip like that, you know, the physicality of the trip comes out too. Like, you know, your body, you know, you could really feel it. If you've ever, you know, danced all day and night at a music festival or, you know, done some physical activity, like you know, how I went on this hike and everything, really kind of felt it in my body. So I decided to, uh, to go to a massage place and just get a massage. Just really just, you know, loosen up. You know, it was, I was still tripping. I wasn't at my peak. I was actually pretty lucky that I peaked as soon as I got to the waterfall. I forgot to mention that part. And it was just glorious. I took my shirt off and I just like bathed in the waterfall and sat there and really soaked it up. And I went and I got a massage and... um <laughs> The Thai lady that was massaging me, like, she, like, turned into a dragon. And her arms, like, I felt like she was, like, she had, like, eight tentacles. And they were, like, tongues, like, like digging into my back and, like, going through my skin and, like, into my muscles and, like, like grabbing them and, like, squeezing them. And I was just like, all right, this is awesome. <laughs> this is really great. And uh, it was just a regular massage, so don't get any ideas about that. It was a great massage, you know, back, shoulders, legs. It was just everything that I needed, and it was really, really nice. Um, and, then I, and then I got back on my motor scooter, and I went back to the hostel that I was staying at. And I remember seeing all the friends that I had made who were with me when I was in Chiang Mai, and they were asking me, uh, oh, hey, what's up? How was your day? Like, what did you do today? <laughs> and I was like, what did I do today? <laughs> I was like, ah, not much. What about you guys? Like, oh, yeah, we went to like a temple or like we saw something or whatever. And I was just like, in the back of my mind, just like, <laughs> I'll share this with you at some point. I'll share this with you. All right, guys. Well, I hope you like that story. Um, and I hope you like what's to come. I, like I said, I recorded this episode and, you know, I was really talking about a lot of these big ideas and a lot of the things that I was reading and all this kind of stuff. But really after that, I had uh, quite an experience, uh, happen that really gave me a, a, a realization as to like what I really want to talk about. 
And that's that's really why I didn't release this podcast, not because it was two and a half hours long, but really because I felt like it was coming more from a, a place of my mind as opposed to a place of my heart. So the next episode is going to be coming from a place of the heart, and I have another story for you uh, that, that, that I will tell that, that catapulted me into the realization of this of this of this thing that I want to share this um feeling these 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 things that I want to share from my heart space it was it was quite a moment and uh I think it, it it's going to be a good one for now enjoy this mental gymnastic stream of consciousness rambling tangential uh philosophizing if you will <laughs> okay Thank you very much. As uh, as you know, you know, like I said, do whatever you want. If you want to share the show, you know, share it or whatever. If you want to take out a billboard on like the f- side of the freeway in L.A. and put a Mikeadelic sign there, cool, do that too. But you could probably spend that money donating it to Patreon or something like that. So, whatever. Yeah, half of this episode will be here. The rest, the full episode, will be on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/MikeBrank. Go check that out. Go check out Hemp Bombs, and uh, you know what? Uh, fuck it. I, I I did this. I did this in the intro, so you'll you can listen to that shit in the intro. And if you want to skip through, I don't know how long it is. Maybe it's like ten minutes. Skip through. I don't I don't give a shit. All right. I love you guys, uh, and thank thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy this, and hope to see you on Patreon, and hope to see you join the WhatsApp chat group, and then we can chat all all day and night. Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Hey everybody, Mike Brancatelli here. Welcome back to a new episode of Mikeadelic. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your kind words and support. Uh, as always, much appreciated. Um, if you want to support the show, you can leave a nice five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and donate as little as a dollar a month, sign up, become a Patreon member, get uh, bonus stuff like joining the uh, exclusive Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum WhatsApp group where we have uh, a really cool community of people from all over the world 
chatting and talking about all kinds of stuff, uh, really interesting stuff, sharing trip reports and practices and experiences, articles and videos and information. It's uh, it's really cool. I'm really, uh, really proud of it. So two sponsors for the show. Uh, we, had, we got these sponsors a couple shows ago and uh, happy to have them. One of them is Hemp Bombs. You can get CBD products that are awesome. I love them. Uh, big fan of their CBD gummies at hempbombs.com. If you enter the code Mike15 at checkout, you get 15% off. So that's pretty cool. And uh, Synchro. Synchro is a plant-based and ketogenic nutrition company that makes awesome products, really high-quality well-tested and researched products. The founder is a biochemist and uh, yoga practitioner, meditation practitioner, very um, thoughtful care put into the products that they make, and they're delicious and healthy and in a good way. Uh, There's obviously in a good way, but there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of companies that always try and make sort of, you know, healthy, good tasting protein bars or, you know, protein shakes and stuff like this and they don't they don't always fit the bill but i found synchro's products to do that so if you go to bsynchro.com um you can enter the code mikeadelic at checkout and you get 20 percent off and so i want to talk a little bit about this this notion of uh sort of ancient wisdom, ancient cultures, the the quote-unquote progress of civilization uh, mixed in with a lot of other things today. A lot of stuff I've been thinking about, um, reading about, listening to, uh, as always, listening to a lot of Alan Watts. That guy just gets it uh, and, you know, is one of my greatest teachers, in my opinion, uh, you know, a lot of people that I look to are on the internet, dead, or in in the form of books. I've been reading uh, Iron John by Robert Bly, and really picking that apart and looking at that the the tale of Iron John and and becoming a man and and really what this all means and how we have uh, sort of you know lost some things along the way. But really, all this stuff, you know, I guess if there's a theme for the episode, and who knows where it's going to go, because, you know, I can go off on some tangents. But the theme of the episode is sort of centered around, and I suppose every theme of almost every episode that I do is somewhat centered around this sort of feeling of inner yeah, curiosity about the whole shebang, you know, about the whole thing this what this is what this what it is and how we respond to it and how we act with it and um yeah i i i think and you know sort of i think that's that's driven by my perception of what is and really this this feeling that uh you know through reading and research and my own experiences this sort of feeling that there, you know, that there's like something sort of off about the way things are. Now, that's not necessarily true because there's something on about the way things are too. You know, as I was talking about in the last episode, it's like, you know, not 
placing yourself in a mentality of being a victim where you're a victim to all of these sort of larger forces that are shaping your world and shaping society and that you feel helpless in their in their march towards you know some greater goal that you're not necessarily a part of not feeling helpless and like a victim in that and just resigning to accept that as the way that it is but rather accepting that this is the way that it is because this is the normal progression of humanity this is what human beings do this is what we're capable of we're highly flawed creatures so it's not necessarily about you know resisting against what is but accepting what is looking at what is understanding why it is what it is and seeing if there's something else that we can do to gain better clarity and an understanding of ourselves how we fit into what is and maybe what we could do to possibly make what is a little bit more enjoyable and a little bit better and i think that's a, a noble goal i think that's a worthy cause um you know whereas i think in my in my days of the past where i was sort of this militant atheist anarcho capitalist you know just slamming things down people's throats about you know like this is this is bullshit and this is fuck you know and this sort of like fighting against the system fighting against what is i think i have more of an acceptance now of well this is just sort of uh you know history is cyclical things you know have that have happened before will happen again um and we you know this is a natural evolution of human consciousness that we bind ourselves into these situations that we accept the sort of uh things that play out so we are a part of this we are part of co-collaborating in this larger journey called humanity and reality um and i and i like to think about those things i like to think about what you know I think a lot of people have this notion that we can arrive at a at a better place that if only the system was different if only people were different if only you know the the greedy corporations weren't so greedy if only the evil state wasn't so evil if only the manipulating church wasn't manipulating and deceiving people you know, if only these things were corrected, you know, if we can clean up the the rainforests, if we can stop the oil drilling and the fracking and the whatever, that we're going to have peace, we're going to have pleasantness, we're going to be better. And I think on an individual level, people, you know, believe in this lie as well, uh, that if only I could lose 10 pounds, if only I could wake up at 9 a.m., if only I could do 100 push-ups a day, you know, if I could just eat vegetables more, um, if I could read more books, like I will be, I will be worthy, I will be better, I will be validated, I, ha- I will have arrived somewhere. And I think that's the large you know that's a large portion of and it doesn't necessarily just go for these material things but also goes for these sort of esoteric transcendental spiritual things as well these things that don't have form and they're kind of abstract and out there this sort of like well if i could just attain 
you know, a, a, a certain level of awareness. If I could just meditate and do yoga and, and practice mindfulness every day, then I will, hopefully I will arrive at some point of, of goodness. But how long does that last? Then, then there's always another thing to strive for and another thing to strive for. And it's not necessarily that that's bad. You know, this is the game. This is the infinite game. The point of the infinite game is to keep the game going. It's not to arrive at some point in finality and say, aha, I've gotten here, I've won. You know, plant your flag on the mountain after you've climbed to the top and say, I have arrived, now I'm going to sit down and relax. Well, it's like, you know, you, you, at some point you're probably going to have to go down. You're going to have to go back to the village. You're going to freeze up there. You're not going to have enough food. You have to return. It's this perpetual hero's journey, the, the call to adventure, the going into the unknown, the learning, the growing, and then the returning, and then it's back again, and then it's back again. Um, and that, I feel that this is more the nature of things, that we are these cyclical, perpetual, you know, beings that that yearn for and strive for and and fail and pick ourselves back up and learn and achieve and bring back. And then the whole process starts over again. I remember Joseph Campbell some saying something about this where um you know the he was telling some kind of Hindu story about a lotus flower and uh the Brahman lays lays down and a lotus flower grows out of his navel and out and on that lotus flower sits um or maybe it's the atman and then the brahman sits on the lotus flower and then a, another a lotus flower grows out of his navel and another brahman sits on that one and on and on and on and and then he tells this other great story about the uh the king and the the ants uh, marching by, and I, I forget exactly uh, how it goes, but it's a it's a very good one if I remember. I'll, I'll try and put a, like a link in the in the show notes. Um, but I think that something at least innate to the modern to modern man's psychological condition is this desire to manifest external objects of excellence and perfection and technological achievement and call that the be-all, end-all of progress, the be-all, end-all of, of moving forward, of achieving something. Um, and I think that spiritual people in the same way look at the attainment of different levels of of mindfulness and awareness and beingness as a, a as a desire to have arrived somewhere and to attain something and cho young trumpa talks about this in his great book cutting through spiritual materialism which is if you haven't read it probably the best book about spirituality in my opinion uh he talks about this this grasping for us to want to drop our egos is the very nature of the problem in itself. Uh, you know, that we cling on to 
spiritual experiences just the same way as we cling on to tangible material things that we say that we've achieved something you know in my twitter bio i say my ego is so much smaller than yours right it's like this competition to see who has attained egolessness and and i think alan watts also says the biggest ego trip of them all is trying to get rid of your ego because it doesn't exist <clears throat> but we invent these things we invent these things in order to desire some form of betterness wholeness trying to strive for something to arrive at something to to get to some level of completeness where we think that we're going to be existing in a state of perfect bliss consistently now i'm not saying that you can't improve yourself to have a better peace of mind and to have uh you know generally a better feeling about life but i think you know i watched the movie the big lebowski the other day and which is like one of my favorite films of all time. And I think I've seen it maybe like 20 times or so by now, but it keeps getting better. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty deep movie if you really pay attention to it. It really, it keeps getting better. And, you know, the dude, the, you know, Jeff Bridges character, the dude man or uh, his dudeness or El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing, <laughs> He, as the central character and the protagonist of the story, he's this, you know, and, and as Sam Elliott introduces him in the beginning saying, sometimes there's a man, well, he's a man for his particular time and place. And the dude was a lazy man, most certainly a lazy man. One of the laziest man, <laughs> one of the laziest men in all of Los Angeles County, which is in contention for laziest of all time in the world. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. And so the dude represents this sort of, you know, and his, his expression is like, the dude abides. Hey, man, the dude abides. He sort of accepts the nature of the reality in which he exists in. He accepts the, the rules and the limitations of the game, knowing that this is the way that things are and that fighting and rebelling against them in an aggressive, hostile nature isn't really going to get you anywhere. So what the dude tries to, what the dude does and the dude's philosophy is he just lives his life on his own terms and is satisfied by the simplest of things because he knows that fighting to try to achieve some sort of higher standard is only going to lead him to sacrificing his now, his present moment, for some future that it may never come. What is the point of getting involved in something that you despise and that, you know, that, that, that you loathe and that every moment that you experience misery you know, takes over your soul? What is the point of doing that? to enjoy something that's not necessarily guaranteed in the distant, you know, in the future, distant future, right? I mean, the classic example is like following the standard protocol for the American dream, like go to school, get a, get a, go to college, get a job, marry, have kids, move into a house, you know, work really hard until you're 65, then you can retire and enjoy everything when you're old, wrinkled, and impotent. It's like, Okay, I mean, maybe we could think of some, maybe we can imagine a better version of reality than that, you know? 
And so the dude doesn't have any of these like grand ambitions or anything like that. He just sort of goes with the flow and does what he enjoys and doesn't exert too much energy focusing on anything else, especially not sacrificing his unique, you know, personality, his style, his look, right? Because if the dude had to go get a job somewhere to pay bills to do something, he might have to cut his hair, shave his beard, he might have to dress in a different way. He dresses in a fucking bathrobe and wears sandals. He, you know, does whatever he wants. He is who he is. He authentically really is who he is. And he lets the world go by as he resigns to accept the fact that, you know, this is the way it is. So my version of protest or my version of of living truly is to just enjoy the simplicity of of the of the few things that really gives him satisfaction and really, you know, allows him to to wake up every morning feeling good. So there is a sort of zenness to the dude. There is a sort of uh, calmness to the dude. And, you know, he's not necessarily looking to improve himself or better himself to, to fit the, the, he's not trying to conform to what society has, uh, you know, the general consensus of society as to what a successful, worthy, respectable person should be like at his age or whatever. You know, he's perfectly content in being somebody that he knows that he probably is the most, you know, of his being coming through. And, you know, it it definitely, it definitely takes a lot of, I think it takes a lot of work to know yourself in order to get to that position where you're comfortable going against the group, going against conformity, going against what, uh, you know, the, what people oftentimes deem to be socially acceptable or reasonable, right? He just doesn't care about those things, though. Because he knows that the the meaning and the truth in his life is in what he is doing on a daily basis. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it. And, you know, so this was a great movie I saw recently, and it's just it ties into a lot of things I've been thinking about, and I think I've addressed this on the show before. You know this, uh, you know what I was speaking about with uh, this sort of myth of progress of civilization, and um, this sort of current culture of self improvement and hustle, and uh, you know I guess like entrepreneurship or branding or being a social media influencer or whatever it is. One of my favorite articles uh, from last year was an article I think that came out uh, right, at, right at the beginning of the new year written by uh, Alexandra Schwartz in The New Yorker called Improving Ourselves to Death. And I loved it. It was such a great article. Uh, you know, and it talked about you know, how people have this sort of void or this hole really in their in their souls and their psyches that this desire to improve and to progress and there's this movement right now that's really capitalizing on this and this has existed for quite some time you know this 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 need to like or this this movement to capitalize on 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 people's feelings of of loneliness or that they're not good enough and you know these sorts of things i think it's just more magnified now because of the 
in the internet and how we live in this small global village of interconnectedness where anytime you want, you can go online, you can go on social media, and you know that people are doing all kinds of things. And you want to be doing those things too. And you want to be friends with them and you want to look like them. And, you know, it's this constant knowledge of the outside world. Whereas pre internet, you know, really we didn't live in this world where, you know, your world was sort of your world here. And I like uh, Richard Dolan explains this really well, where he talks about sort of the biggest change in America recently was the change from 1984 to 1994, when America went from being a nationalist country, you know, to being a, uh, to being a, in 1994, to being a transnationalist country, sort of a transnationalist coup by, you know, the corporations, the transnational multinational uh, corporations and the, and the sort of spread out into the world, the takeover of the world, you know, more military bases all over the world, more corporations all over the world, the move from national to global and the way that it was done in this sort of like hostile takeover mentality. Uh, but we really, we moved from sort of these neighbor, like I grew up in a suburban neighborhood outside of New York. And it, when I was growing up, the world that I was living in was the world that I knew around me. Sure, you would see some things of the outside world. You would see a little news sometimes. You would see some movies sometimes. But there wasn't this omnipresent you know, deluge of information just coming at you nonstop, not just information, but people's lives, what people are doing, uh, all this sort of stuff, because the internet hadn't come into existence. So this internet coming to existence is, is, is tricky for us because it, it introduces a new element to the human condition that maybe we haven't experienced before. And I say, maybe we haven't experienced that before because maybe we have. Maybe, maybe, you know, there's been civilizations that have risen on earth to achieve uh, a level of technology that was at our level or surpassed our level and only to blow themselves up or, uh, you know, cause some kind of widespread disease and go extinct. Uh, we don't know this for certain. And, you know, there's people like Graham Hancock and other people out there that do research about this stuff, visiting ancient sites and investigating these sorts of things about ancient civilizations and, you know, what we've been told and what we know and these sorts of things. Um, but I don't, I don't eliminate the possibility. I'm perfectly comfortable entertaining the possibility because history is cyclical. Time is a flat circle, as Russ from. Russ Cole from True Detective would say. And again, I don't say these things with absolute certainty. I think, I think saying anything, I, I do believe it's important to sort of uh, believe, not believe in something, but like have a, 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 a reason to wanting to share and explain certain things and, and look at certain things. But I still am skeptical about attaching myself to any one particular thing. You know, it's like uh, there are no objective truths is an objective truth in itself. And, you know, therefore contradicts the very statement, you know. So I tend to think more that we live in a world of paradox that is beyond our level of understanding. And I, and I think that that's also another source of the problem for, you know, and a motivator for why we 
are trying to reach this level of like technological domination. We are trying to box our reality up. We're trying to package it up and tidy it up into boxes with little bows on top and mark them and label them and say, you know, this is science and this is the cosmos and this is uh, humanity and this is the psyche. And saying that we know all these things makes us feel more comfortable. It makes us feel more... Um, valid that our existence means something that has some sort of meaning to it. Uh, but I, I just, I think the thing that is this, this thing that is cannot be contained into some sort of structure in which we identify what it is. And, and that I think really upsets us a great deal and leads to all these sorts of things for us yearning and desiring to understand it, to, to, have some kind of knowledge about it in order to make ourselves, like I said, feel more comfortable about our, I guess, predicament, I would say, you know, being self-aware, you know, having the knowledge of our own mortality and, and so on. And so I think that, uh, you know, this, this is important to me because I care, I, I, I experience, you know, some suffering myself. And, and even though I'm, I'm sort of learning how to better, better manage that suffering, I still feel a deep cosmic connection to uh, a point of suffering. And I see that, and I, I don't necessarily attach to it, but I, I notice it. And I think if I attached to it, I think I would fall into a pit of suffering as I had in the past. I don't necessarily attach to it now so much anymore, but I see it and I'm aware of it, and I can't help but think that other people are aware of it too, even if they don't see it, but they are aware of it, they feel the effects of it. And I think I see a lot of the the things that are going on are trying to offer us like these substitutes for the real thing in forms of books, 10-step programs, you know, webinars, um, all kinds of improve yourself ways, you know, gyms and workout programs and things like that, uh, as well as many other, uh, many other things to try and like fill that void of of the yearning to improve and be better which is underlined by this feeling of like having some kind of control over who we are and really it's all being put on by a higher operating system so it's this sort of engine that we're feeding into that's saying like okay like you know the rules of the game are ratcheting up and the the vice is kind of crushing you with with all the demands that current you know modern culture and uh, the, the this modern civilization is demanding upon people in order to conform to this paradigm you you need to you need to hustle you need to grind you need to wake up you need to you know uh you need to attain some kind of higher level of yourself if you want to uh feel like a generally the if you want to you know plug into this general consensus of what we all seem to be agreeing upon as as a uh respectable way of existing in this in this current world 
And so if that was a little messy, I apologize. But what I'm trying to say is that because of, of our desire to conquer nature, to conquer the cosmos, to build external tangible material things and 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 because we label this as a form of progress and because we label this as a form of achievement and growth it is it is shaping how reality is being foisted upon the rest of us who don't necessarily have a total say in where the engines and the mechanisms uh that are driving the civilization are going. We don't necessarily, you know, not everybody is a participating member. Um, however, we are though. We are participating members by agreeing to it, by conforming to it, by accepting it. And by doing that, we perpetuate it. We feed back into it. And so because of this, because this level of this level is being set, this this paradigm is being created, and it's calling us to participate in it, be, because it's so hard to go against the group and go against the grain and and really be the dude in your own way. It's most people are trying to reach up to that level, and by reaching up to that level, they continue feeding this machine, feeding this this machine and you know by you know buying these books and by you know going out and and you know doing all sorts of things that this machine demands that they do if they want to be a part of it and so it's this 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 cycle this this sort of cycle continues so it's like okay well this this must be playing out this must have played out before this must have you know, this is the sort of thing that human beings do. So it is, in a way, this natural sort of state of existence. However, I do believe that if you can get to a point where you see that, where you see what's going on, that you can not necessarily participate in it, but be an observer of it, like the dude. The dude is, a, is an observer. An observer of his own existence, an observer of his own reality, and in a way, it's sort of like you know, it's sort of it's like opting out. It's like choosing not to participate, right? Um, it's choosing not to participate in the pre-constructed, predetermined, pre-selected version of reality that that is being manufactured and sold to us. And you know, people love buying shiny new things that are gonna that they think are gonna help them and improve them, and that's gonna get them somewhere. Hey, we went to the moon, goddammit, it, we're the greatest. You know, it's like okay, right? What are we doing in the means of the evolution of human consciousness, the increase of compassion and empathy, the 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 ability to open up and to be real, to take our masks off with people, to show them who we really are, to tell them how we really feel. Where is the evolution of that, you know, in this whole thing? And so, you know, we're 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 sort of as a main as this mainstream mechanism pushes forward, it leaves that in the dust. You know, that's stuff for hippie people, that's stuff for spiritual people, that's different kinds of stuff. We're not interested in that. You can have your little playpen 
over here, play in the sandbox, do your thing. If you want to go get spiritual, if you want to go do that, then you can do that over here. This is the little area that you could do that in. But we don't incorporate this. We don't put this into the mainstream of mechanisms of society. And I think, you know, it's 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 done on purpose. It's done because the the systems of power attract very you know, sick people, very fearful people, very, you know, egoic people that really believe that they're, you know, here to accomplish some great thing. And, you know, when they die, they're, they're, they'll live on, they'll be, you know, really it's the conquest of our own mortality uh, that, is the, that is sort of the unconscious driver. I mean, Ernest Becker talks about this in his great book, The Denial of Death, that I bring up a lot, which I'm a huge fan of. It's like, you know, this is the very thing that eats at our being, is the fact that we are these beings that can contemplate the infinite. We can have these thoughts in our heads and we can manifest them into material objects. And we think this is such a great power, that this is such a great superpower in a way. And we think that's the be all end all and that it's our right, it's our destiny to create and to build and to, you know, leave a, a legacy. And in a way, leaving our names behind and leaving our accomplishments behind will uh, better the, the next generation of people or will in turn also maybe selfishly give us some kind of uh, acknowledgement that we existed, that we were here, that we did something. Um, and I think this is also, this is a good theme that's ex explored in the movie Troy. Both Achilles and Agamemnon fight over who will be remembered in history, whose name will live on. And I guess they, you know, they both won. Both their names have lived on. But what good does that do them? What, what good does that, how does that enrich their lives, this sort of clinging on to something higher than and greater than yourself that you won't necessarily be around to experience or, or something like this. So I see a great deal of suffering that comes along this way of thinking, is what I'm saying. I see a great deal of suffering in people who are, you know, and not in everybody, you know, it's not everybody, but there are people that are achieving, that are, you know, really putting themselves out there and making money and, you know, working long hours and doing all this stuff. And, you know, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like to me that a lot of these people are living uh, the kinds of lives in which one would want to live in if they were you know, performing at such a high, serious level, at such a, you know, a very, very serious and focused and, and, and very, you know, always taking everything like very tightly and very sternly. You know, if, if, if a duty calls for you to behave in this sort of way, you would think that like you would really want to live in a world where there's there's a, a high level of satisfying soulful enjoyment, but instead what we get is a lot of just uh, alcohol and booze consumption and overeating and you know numbing pains with prescription pills and these sorts of things, and you know that leads to just repeating the cycle, staying stuck in it because again you're looking for something you're not finding it and then you're disappointed about it so you want to numb the feeling of disappointment and then it just leaves you in this perpetual loop. 
So, so how do we, how do we really like escape this matrix? You know, how do we escape this, like this invisible pressure that's being put upon us to conform to this general consensus of this one particular version of reality that so many people are buying into and that we're being sold and that's being manufactured for us and that's requiring our participation in as well. And that also accounts for people who don't participate, right? So I was watching, uh, there was this great piece that I was, I forget where, where I was looking at it or reading it or watching it or something. I was talking, you know, it's about the the sort of the commodification of rebellion. Oh, right. I, I forget. It was a YouTube video that I had looked at that was about um, the Matrix and the Matrix sequels and why they were sort of bad, but they had good messages in them in terms of like philosophy. And so if you remember, spoiler alert, but the Matrix sequels, you know, they're exploring, Neo goes deeper into what the Matrix is and all this stuff. The Matrix has this system, as this machine that has has been built to gain control over humanity and use humanity as these energy resources, has also accounted for humanity's rebellion within the system. And so, as a part of the system, the rebellion was was baked in. And so, it's kind of like this this sort of almost like hopeless thing to understand, where it's like, holy shit, like. If, if the system itself is accounting for rebellion to occur within it. So it's sort of like an allowable form of protesting. And I think I remember, I, 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 if you remember, I had uh, Daniel Pinchbeck on the show, great author, great thinker. And, um, and he was talking about, you know, look, if, if people are, are upset and they're protesting, let's have a real protest where people just fucking never leave. You know, you, you go out and you protest and you're like, we're staying in the streets. Until until the change that we that that we're coming to make is like taken notice of, and that there's an awareness created about it, and people start taking action about it, and we're not going to give up, like we're not going to leave. Whereas today, what you see is you have these protests that are allowed; they're allowed to occur, and there's you know I remember in the last couple of years seeing things like you know different kinds of marches or protests and. Of course, there was all this, you know, debate about, you know, the uh, like the the violence or you know people getting you know annoyed by the interaction and the altercations between police and all that kind of stuff, and that's going to happen no matter what. But it was still like reported on and looked at as this thing is like okay, like it's a scheduled protest and okay, rebellion will allow the citizens of the population to have a 5% rebellion. But if they start to move more towards 10% rebellion, let's, let's put the, put the troops down, put the troops in and let's squash that, you know? So what you have today more is this sort of like allowable arena for protesting. It's like, okay, there's going to be a protest. Let's uh, set up police and let's set up, you know, uh, those guardrails and things to block it off. And we'll, we'll allow you to cry. It's like a baby crying. We're going to allow the baby to cry. Just let him cry and let him have his tantrum. And then when he's done, then we'll go back to doing what we want to do. And 
you know, this, this is, uh, I think this is a really important thing. Like, this is a really serious thing. This is a really real thing. You know, especially uh, today where we are so plugged in and even, even podcasts like this, you know, where it's like, you know, I'm expressing sort of dissenting attitudes and opinions that don't necessarily drive with the establishment and mainstream point of view, yet here I am like being allowed to exhibit that and allowed to express that. And then there you are on the other end consuming that. And it's possible that you might feel a feeling of, of well-being or you might feel a feeling of, of inspiration or like, yeah, like right on, man. Like this is, I, I'm totally getting what you're saying and I'm, I'm digging what you're throwing down. And yeah, it is this way. It's like, okay, great. So what are we going to do about it? You know, it's like, it's just, it can't just be this like commodified manufactured thing that we just, it's just another thing that we exist in this loop to, to, to bring us away from the real thing, from the real experience, from the real moment of living, from exploring, you know, what your life is and what you're about and who you are and, and all these sorts of things that we can only get through experience, that we can only get through living in the true present moment and interacting with every moment with fresh eyes and an openness and being open to whatever is and either accepting it or choosing to, you know, opt into our own, you know, direction and do our own thing within the confines of it, you know, not being destroyed by it, but going with it. And it's a, you know, there's there there's uh this movie network and i was listening to this uh this great analysis by these guys at at wisecrack who have a youtube channel they always put out really great content i recommend checking them out um and they were talking about the movie network and this movie network was made in 1974 and the whole thing about it was there was this news anchor who basically said on live television he was going to blow his brains out and he's upset with like the way things are and everything and that got very high ratings. So the network was like, wow, maybe we can really spin this into, uh, into something to get better ratings and to really you know, increase our profits and, and get more advertisers and stuff. So they, they commodified his anger and sold it as this, you know, this fake version of rebellion. So he has this show where he goes on and on about the ang- this anger of society and and you know the, the 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 structures of the media while he's operating in society in the stru- in the structures of media and being paid to do it. And so it's this weird weird thing where it's like okay, you know, you can rail against the system, you can fight the way things are, you can be angry about it, but in our system this could be a useful function. We could commodify that and then we can sell it and share it to people and that can satisfy and their, their thirst for uh, rebellion, resistance, you know, uh, that could satisfy their thirst for you know, anger by hearing somebody that is saying the things that they think and is articulating the things that they feel. And that, and that will, you know, and that kind of keeps, keeps us in. It keeps us in the system. I remember this god-awful Pepsi commercial with, like, Kendall Jenner, and there was, like, you know, police protests or whatever, and she, like, walks up to a police officer 
with a can of Pepsi and cracks it open and gives it to him and he drinks it and, he, and they smile and it's like, oh, look, we can, we can come together and we can be in peace. If we can share a Pepsi, then we can share anything. And it's like just this disgusting like commercialization and commodification of something genuinely authentic, which is the anger that people are feeling. I'm not saying that all the people that protest are legitimate or anything, but there's an anger there. There's an anger, I think, that people experience when they pull the lever for Trump. There's an anger that people experience and they carry it out in the ways in which they think is appropriate to carry it out. But that underlining dissatisfaction and that anger, if you can market that and you can sell it, another great example is in Rick and Morty, when in the the Rick Citadel episode, if you haven't seen it, basically what he do, what he does is he gets upset about the the conditions of the factory in which they make cookies, and he's he's really upset about these cookies or these wafers and how they pay them low wages and they live in this you know controlling oppressive system, and so he decides to. Um, you know, do something about it. And he like breaks into the higher level management and he exposes the truth to all the people and he kills a couple people or whatever. And the company, what they do is they, they take him and they capture him and they like plug him into some like machine that makes him remember the feeling of, of that rebellion, the feeling that happened when he fought against the oppressors and when he exposed the truth. And they're mainlining that feeling, like on a, they, they're just giving him that feeling on a loop. They're creating this feeling to exist with this machine on a loop. And that feeling is being like, is like being materialized into this goo that's then like dripping into the, the cookie batter, the wafer batter. And then again, Sam Elliott, actually funny, says, um, you know, in the commercial for Rick's cookies, he's like, simple Rick's, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the taste with, enjoy the taste with every wafer, enjoy the, the taste of shattering the grand illusion with every bite of simple Rick's. And so it's like, yeah, you can, you can rebel, you can fight it and, and you can have the feeling that you're doing something and, you know, you don't, you know, and then, what happens is it just gets commercialized, right? It gets sold, it gets marketed like grunge or like, you know, Che Guevara t-shirts or, you know, whatever it is, it gets, it gets sold, it gets marketed and it gets commodified and people buy it because the buying of that replaces, it's a fake sense of rebellion. It's a fake sense of feeling like you're doing something like you belong to a cause that you're a part of something some resistance and in reality what you're doing is you're just purchasing the the consolation prize the the replica you know the fake substitute for the real thing that that you'll never get or that at least the system that's producing it and giving it to you will hope that you'll never get because you'll feel content with the thing that you've bought that represents that thing and you won't no longer strive to trying to achieve anything that really breaks out of the matrix that really breaks out of the system and so you know that's that's a very interesting concept you know this 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 new envir this environment that we live in now where it seems like Every everything is up for for sale. Happiness is up for sale. Everything's up for sale. And you know, don't get it twisted. This isn't 
I'm not, a, this isn't a knock on, on capitalism because I believe capitalism in its purest form, which is just the voluntary and free exchange of goods and services is, uh, uh, is, is the, uh, the way to go about existing in life. I mean, you know, we can't make things if we don't collaborate, exchange, and work with other individuals, and then new things don't come into existence if we don't have competitors to offer those things. And I know I, you know, I was talking about these external things that we create, but you know, obviously we create things because we need them, because it's they're useful, they're tools, they can help us, you know, better our lives. And I think that has been the story of humanity from the beginning is creating tools to make labor easier, to make our lives easier, so we can enjoy our experience more. However, I think now we're in a state where we're just the the we're on this autopilot and we're just doing the thing just to do the thing to keep doing the thing. Where we're not where you know people are working longer hours than ever before. You you know if you have a job nowadays, you know you're no longer you don't just go to your job, clock in and clock out. There's email, there's text messaging, there's chat groups, you know, you're expected to respond to your boss if he emails you at night, you know, your people are walking working longer hours, the cost of goods is going up, things cost more. And because the speed of the treadmill is increasing faster and faster, we're being sold this these products and these ideas and these books to try and ease the the suffering of the situation. The treadmill's cranking up and we're trying to buy something. All right, well, at, at least, you know, I could have an Amazon drone will deliver me a hot dog while I'm walking down the street and it'll hang there and and it'll it'll wait until I finish the hot dog and then this way I don't have to stop for lunch and you know this is technological progress and this is innovation and this is moving forward you know because you know I have a hot dog delivery system on a drone which allows me which frees up more time for me to go to business meetings and to work and to think of new ways in which how I can get people to buy the things that I'm creating which you know might not necessarily be necessary uh but you know it's it's part of the the system so if i need to sustain myself within this system i need to participate it and to keep it going on and all of the products and the services that are being invented are ways for us to handle the ever increasing uh wheel that is 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 speeding up of this you know quote unquote progress of our civilization ways to make things you know to expedite things ways to make things more efficient you know, time savers, you know, whatever, these, these sorts of, uh, you know, tips that you get, you know, from people like Tim Ferriss or whatever, you know, like tracking your, your food and keep track of your calories and track this and track this behavior and, you know, go to bed at this time and, you know, uh, do, do this thing and do that thing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't think of all these examples. I don't really follow the guy, but, you know, from what I see, uh, there's a lot of these sort of people out there that are trying to, you know, maximize your efficiency and, you know, all this sort of stuff in which, which makes you more of a robot existing in a robotic world. You're, 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 you're sharpening. All right. Well, that concludes this show, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this different kind of experimental episode if you want the full version of this episode uh go on to patreon.com slash mike brank that's b-r-a-n-c 
you can join up for a dollar a month, $2 a month, $3 a month, whatever it is. You could support the show, help spread the word, spread the message of psychedelics, freedom, empowerment, liberty, all that good stuff, expanding consciousness, increasing vibes, working for more light and love in the universe and in the collective consciousness field of existence in this plane of reality in which we inhabit the finite meat suits that define our beings. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And like I said, if you don't have any extra Federal Reserve notes that are burning holes in your pocket that you're just itching to get rid of, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm still putting out content for free for everyone. I'm just trying something new here. And, you know, the episode was about two and a half hours long, so I figured eh, maybe maybe not everyone wants to hear that. So if you do, patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C, check it out. And, you know, like I said, um, if you feel compelled to share the show and spread the message that we're talking about here, just go ahead and, and do whatever you do to do that. And it's much appreciated. I want to give a shout out. Um, I want to give a shout out here to Danny. Um, for sending me that that musical track that I played in the beginning and in this outro. Uh, Danny Barnett, thanks, man. Uh, I really, really enjoy that. And, you know, this is what I talk about when I talk about the show being this, like, collaborative effort. Like, I love hearing from you guys, your thoughts, your opinions, your feedback. I love, like, if there's any music producers out there, like Danny and and um, and his, uh, his, his friends, uh, the band is called... Uh, Galaxia, I think I said that right. Galaxia, correct me if I'm wrong, Danny. But thanks for sending me that musical track, making that for the show. It's it's dope. I love it. Um, anybody else that has anything that they want to contribute, it's always welcome. And so, big shout out to you for for putting that together and sending it over. All right, guys, thanks again. Go to Patreon.com/slash/MikeBrank. Get the full uh, get the full episode here and. Like I said, I just moved to a new city. I'm in Denver, Colorado. If you're here, message me. Give me a shout. We'll try and hook up, meet up, and uh, looking forward to that. And I would probably won't release a new podcast for about two weeks. All right. Thanks, guys. Much love. Peace. <laughs>